Back in your bedroom, back in your bedroom, your roasting hot bedroom, uh, yeah. doing another introduction for short films, big questions. Exactly, it's where you want to be, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, one day when we have a studio, we can we can look back to this time. Ah, fond it's memories. like the early days of Facebook or something. <laughs> Essentially the Mark Zuckerberg's the podcast <laughs> yeah. era. Um, but yeah, who have we got on the podcast, Will? Uh, we have someone called Alexander Jeremy, a filmmaker mm. and a comedian and an actor. Yeah. And tick, he was tick, awesome. Tick. He was awesome. Yeah, those three things. That's all he is. Yeah, That's yeah. Is. Or an improviser, maybe, would call, improviser, call him. Improviser, yeah. improviser. I don't know if he, he would go by comedian. But yeah, he's a mate of mine from um, ages ago. Uh, we go back, way back from acting, uh, because he has Just acting. acting. <laughs> he is acting in his corner, you know? He's an actor, director. Uh, so I know him from that. And yeah, a few weeks ago, Will and I went to his show. Shoot from the hip. Shoot from the hip, which is his improv group. And they host shows like once a month. Once a, I'm not really sure how often they do it, but they do. Yeah, they do. They do a lot. Well, they do a lot of shows around London, basically. <laughs> around around London. And you should check them out on Instagram because it's absolutely hilarious. They yeah. shoot all all their content. It's it's yeah. improvised comedy, basically. Exactly, and they're yeah absolutely smashing at the moment. They've got like eight hundred thousand followers on TikTok, um, sixty thousand on Instagram. On Instagram, yeah. I'm they, they, they were, he he talks. He goes in in the episode. He talks about how many views they get on TikTok and you know how. How that's how they're um, they're getting people to their venues, to their gigs, really. Yeah. Um, and but more importantly for this podcast is that Alexander is a filmmaker, and he's just made a very big short film called The Spaceman, which stars who? Yeah. Colin Farrell and Woody Norman and Amanda Abington. Exactly. And uh, yeah, Woody Norman, you might recognise from a feature film called Come On, Come On, starring Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. So he performed the lead opposite him in that. If you haven't seen that, you should check it out. It's a good film. And, yeah, we went talked a lot about in the podcast about this film and how he got these amazing stars to be in his yeah. short film. It's insane. It's an insane story. Yeah, the steps that he took in order to facilitate that. And we also talked about his sort of outlook on filmmaking yeah we went quite deep actually into his outlook on filmmaking why he puts all his shorts onto youtube yeah um and just creating an audience as well yeah I think both of us uh, found absolutely fascinating because we've been talking about that as filmmakers you need to build your audience right mm -hmm. uh, and he has a big audience well, well he's managed audience. to do it really well with um yeah his improv group yeah. and he talks about you know the steps he did to build that that audience base and how we can as filmmakers do a similar thing yeah and we go into like you know how directing a star like Colin Farrell and working with kids like Woody Norman and yeah. and working with another star Amanda Abington you know it's quite uh, it's, it's, we go in depth we go in depth on this episode yeah it's great um, and he's yeah a lovely guy so yeah. and we're going to link a lot of his shorts in the show notes uh, or mostly on YouTube actually um, apart from the Spaceman which will be released soon I believe um, but yeah it's awesome let's crack on with it let's do it Welcome, AJ. Welcome, hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so happy to have you on. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, we'll probably touch on this in the bio, but uh, Will and I went to your show mm. uh, last week. Was it last week? Last week? The one in Two Angel, ago, right? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe a week ago. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it was ago, awesome. Yeah. So, so fun. Yeah, and we, we loved it. Um, and then, yeah, I chatted to you afterwards <laughs> and then got you on the show. So, you know, quick turnaround for us. Yeah. yeah. A lot quicker than usual. Um, yeah. 
we're really happy to have you here. Basically. Hey, I'm 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 very pleased to be here as well. To talk about uh, an industry that I don't understand. So <laughs> we don't either. That's why, <laughs> that's why we have podcasts. Why, yeah. that's why, to be honest, more I'm kind of asking for your thoughts. Though <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, this podcast is all about us just getting insight from people and be like, yeah. yes, give us your information. <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, I'll preface everything I'll say today, I guess, with like, these are my thoughts and intuitions, but. They could be so wrong. <laughs> uh, so you should know, put like a disclaimer. Own, disclaimer. About the podcast. AJ's yeah. probably talking shit. <laughs> so that be, that's like how that. we title yeah, the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I swear, by the way? Yeah, yeah man, yeah, go yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. Will loves it when I say this. This is like um, my catchphrase on the podcast to say we're pro swearing here at short. We're pro swearing. Fuck yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> We're pretty R rated yeah. here. Oh hell yeah! We're, questions. We're pretty, pretty hard. Cool. All right, we'll film what we want. It's <laughs> guerrilla style. Whoa yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, should we get into it? Yeah, yeah let's get, get into, into it. So yeah, we thought we'd start off with talking about the Spaceman, which is um, a short film that we both loved. Um, we thought you could maybe just run us through how it sort of came to be, just from um, in terms of getting it made. So less the writing process, but getting it made. I know. You started off, am I right in thinking you were looking after the child actor Woody Norman? So yeah, just maybe run through that for sure. us. Well, um, I mean, it's it's funny to be talking about this because I've been listening to podcasts like this and then they ask that question of like, how did it get made? And you're like, yeah, how the fuck did you do it? <laughs> like, how did you do it? And that's what, you know, I started like doing this like it's been about 10 years now and this was the, this is the like the first thing where it felt like this elusive industry thing just like happened and it's the first time that's ever really happened to me after like 10 years of you know writing and grafting all the sort of shit so um but how did it happen so <laughs> so i so yeah i uh, as like a side hustle, I used to chaperone Woody, Woody Norman. Um, and I've been on film sets because he's an actor and been doing that since he was about eight. He's now 14. Um, and so I knew him. Uh, I know his family and his... Uh, and Woody Norman's the actor from Come On, Come On, the Mike right. Wills film as well, right? With, yeah. with yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. yeah. it's amazing. It's such a good film and Woody is so amazing in it and he's just, he's an incredible talent. Um, and at the time, uh, Woody's mum, she knew that I was, you know, wanting to be a filmmaker and in the filmmaking space. So she kind of said, well, why don't you write something for Woody? Um, so I did, and this was just, this was before lockdown. I started writing something and, and then I wrote it and again, it was for Woody, but I had that feeling of like, well, this is never, I mean, this is never going to get made. Like, I don't know how the hell I would ever make this. So I sent it to, uh, Woody's mum and, um, she loved it. Woody's team loved it. And then they were like, great. And I was like, great. <laughs> and then and then they were like, great, brilliant. So, okay, what you need, what we need now is we need you to get a production company to fund the whole thing. And we also need another famous person in it. And I was like, 
okay. <laughs> so correct. So back to square zero. We're yeah. like, this is never going to happen. Because um, I don't know anyone. Like, I'm not, uh, you know, I've been emailing many people for years with no replies. Um, and so I didn't really know what to do. And then it just become, it kind of became the sort of pipe dream again. Um, and of course that makes sense because Woody is very much, he's got a whole team behind him, he's on the up. And so it's very important that it can't just be like, he just does this little, you know, shitty short film like that. You just, at that level, you can't do that. So it makes total sense and I get it. Um, so yeah, I just started that process of sending out the script to some producers that I knew. Um, and most of the time, obviously nothing really happened. But then, um, so Tom Roberts, who I did a feature... Can I just interject? Sure, yeah. Was a Woody, like, as big a star as he is now? No. So he... Well, he was... He was on the up. He had done Poldark. He had done lots of other ver- various things. But Come On, Come On hadn't come out yet. So this was... So, so this was bef- at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. So it's before he was, yeah, that quite that level. That's right? it, yeah. And t- and Come On, Come On came out, I think, in 2021 or at mm. the end of 2020. Yeah. Um, but it's because we knew that, you know, Vonda Woody's mum was obviously very generous because she knew that this was going to take off and therefore it was a good time. Mm-hmm. So... So yeah, and then finally, so yeah, so I, so Tom Roberts, who I knew, who was a producer, who produced a feature film I was in years ago. I mean, I'm talking like, yeah, like seven, eight years ago. Uh, and I played a, uh, an interesting role in that. <laughs> Shall <laughs> we digress into that? <laughs> that's all okay. I'll say. Interesting. I played role. an interesting role in that film. Let's leave it as the mystery. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, and I, and Tom was was producing and I just thought he was great and we sort of stayed in touch and then yeah so I sent it to him and he was like I love this this is great and I was like great again that's him like great <laughs> so we're doing it and he was like well no because I'm, I'm not really I'm not producing anymore and I was like what, what do you mean he was like I'm not just, I, I I'm now um a poet and I was like what do you mean? And I and then I remembered that he had written. This is how weird and like round the side this is. He had written. He had been doing poetry that he'd been putting out online during the pandemic. Um, so this now we're now we're in 2020 when I sent it to Tom at the beginning of the pandemic, and he had been doing these poetry videos, very like lo-fi poetry videos, but put them on like, but they've blown up. So I don't know if you remember there was a there was a viral video called The Great Realization which was Tom uh, delivering this kind of poem to his um, little brother and sister. And they're kind of in bed and they're like, read me a story kind of thing. And that blew up. And so then Tom set up the production company and was running a business of, of what's called Tom Foolery. So he had his own outlet now and all that kind of stuff. So that's why he was like, well, I'm doing this now. So I don't really know what, how this would work. And then we came to the, decision of like well what if what if this film because it's about a young it's kind of sim- like thematically is similar to what Tom Foolery was doing mm. so it was like well what if we somehow made this part of your Tom Foolery brand um where we would involve some kind of poetry that would bookend uh the film that would bring us in and then take us out at the end 
Um, and it just kind of, that was the, and then it was like, oh shit, okay, that actually could, that actually could work. And then... So that was his stipulation for getting involved. It would go out on his channel and then there would be some poetry. That was it. So it would so have, have some, some relation based, to what essentially. It would have some relation. Well. Of course, obviously, he was then also attracted because Woody was going was, was attached. Yeah. Um, and his production company, um, through the business of, of Tomfoolery, could fund it as well. Mm. You know, it's just like uh, so random and sort of all over the place. Mm. And... But then when when they said when Tom Fulu said yes, they'll do it. And then he agreed at this point to fund through his production company the, the film. Yeah, I think we said to get into the weeds of it, because I always feel like people skip over this next kind of stuff, is that he's I think from what I remember it was like, okay, if you put forward five grand, then we'll put the rest forward. And then Do you mind me asking you... what the rest was? Yes. Cut that if you want. The rest was I think about I think the whole thing was about 40k mm, I think yeah. in in the end. And, and when you say we, do you mean you or do you mean like who So I put in like 5 grand. Yeah. I can't remember the exact but approximately like 5 and then they essentially were like putting in the rest. Okay. Um, All right. And you know, and then in the in the in the contract, it's like they have right all the rights and all that kind of stuff, which yep. is great. I'm trying to get my film made. Yeah. So of course, like I don't, ha I also don't have five grand either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like, so I, you know, I went to my friends and my family, uh, and then my parents said, you know, because they saw the the opportunity and they gave me like two grand, and then I had three mates who got a bit of money, who each gave a grand. Wow. And then that was my five. And then it was like, okay, we're ready. We're ready to go. Then all hell broke loose, but like in a good way. <laughs> then that, then when it's like, it just got very surreal, which was, so when, when uh, Tom Foolery, Tom's production company had been like, yeah, we're going to do it. When I then went to Woody's team and I was like, so this production company are going to do it. Um, uh, we haven't got a famous actor yet, but if I can get you guys to say, yeah, then, and then to say, yeah, then it will, you know, start or well, the whole thing will start. So they said, yes, Woody's team said, okay, cool. This production company looks like, you know, they're doing a lot of cool stuff. They've got millions of views. So it's like, good for Woody. It's good for Woody and, and all, you know, um, and so, so yeah, so that happened. And then it was like, cause there's essentially three roles in the whole film. So there's a kid, uh, the film is about a young boy who loves everything to do with space. Um, and then, uh, but he's very lonely and then he's not really talking to his mum. They're not really communicating. It's all kind of, uh, falling apart. But then one night, one Christmas, actually, he gets a present, which is a transceiver device. Uh, and that means you can send and receive messages into space. And then, uh, when he's at his loneliest, <laughs> uh, one night, the stars start talk, talking back. Um, so that that's the premise. So there's essentially Woody's role. There's Woody's mum's role, as in the the, uh, the the character of Danny is uh, mm. called, uh, uh, yeah, Danny's mo mother, Sue. And then the role of the spaceman, which is uh, a voice only role. Um, but the, but the short is about the relationship between the Danny and, the, and, 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 and Danny. Danny. 
Um, so, so yeah. So then once that happened, it was like, well, who are we going to, you know, we now need to look at casting. And again, I'll get into the, the sort of weeds of it because it is interesting because Tom is repped by CAA um, as a artist, uh, which obviously when he went viral, then that, that was where, so then, so that was the in with CAA. So then, so then CAA saw this, got to read the script. And then when they read the script, it was them who said, oh, what about Colin Farrell for the space? <laughs> did they just email you that line? What about Colin Farrell? What, what they... about Colin? I mean, we, I had, did you go, <laughs> nah, I'm not so sure about I don't think Colin. for it. What yeah, about Colin Farrell? I was just thinking you'd do it myself. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was them who had suggested Colin Farrell and... Weirdly enough, like when I had been like daydreaming, I found on my notes, like in an ideal world, in a crazy world, who would play the spaceman? And I had written like uh, Colin Farrell, like Brian Cranston, like just ridiculous names to me, right? And then to see that was so mad. I get this putting it out to the universe, right? (laughs) A little bit, but I think it was just a good example of like, you can, you know, I think it's important to be really realistic, Mm. but then sometimes I think if you've got nothing to lose, you can sometimes just dwell in crazy possibilities. And and it's always about putting yourself out and asking, right? And then you don't know, the worst that happens is a no or an you get Exactly. And of course, you know, the the, the one side to this, which is slightly different, is that because it is a voice-only role, Obviously, it's not like Colin Farrell is going to fly over for a week to shoot this guy's short film who's no one's ever really heard of. Like, he's not going to do that. It's a voice-only role. So what? That, so essentially, that means that we had about four hours on Zoom with him. Mm. Well, uh, and, because all, and because the sound quality doesn't need to be that great, originally it was like, oh, we could just do it over Zoom. But then we actually had got a sound recorder to go to where he was. He was in Australia at the time. And so we had Woody on the Zoom uh, and myself and Tom, because me and Tom were co-directing. And um, we, yeah, did, we recorded it all there. Um, all of Colin's Wait, So you, you were in the room with Tom and Woody and then on the Zoom I, no, with, I, with I was in No, I wasn't in the room with any of them. I was on Zoom with Tom and with Woody and with and Colin. With Colin. And, um, and yeah, so then we... But that's what I mean in terms of like that's why it was it's an easy thing for him to do if he yeah. and he liked the script, um, and he liked what Tom Fuller was all about, and he liked Woody. So you know it's not it's not a huge ask um, yeah, for yeah. someone for, for for Colin Farrell who's filming you know the fucking Batman or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like kind of um, yeah an interesting move from because from CAA as well just to decide to ping that to him in case he was interested or liked it. You know? Yeah. It's not like, not what I would random. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but, but then, but then it like, that was just the beginning because yeah. then it was like, then CAA were like, they wanted to get other, like, you know, they wanted to get other names. It's Woody rep by CAA as well. No, right? no. Oh, okay. Okay. No. Um, but, but yeah, so then it was like, um, then they just, I think they just went into, you know, CAA mode where they were just chucking out the biggest names I ever heard to, to, to her, the, the part of the, the uh, of Sue. Um, <laughs> but you have to remember that like, I, I am a nobody. 
So for that to be like happening and, and again, like, and I've been writing and making shorts and, you know, yeah. I mean, Yayan go back quite a way. Like he's seen the kind of stuff that I've been doing for, for many years and the, the grind as it were. And it's just like, fuck all in terms of the quote unquote industry coming back. And so for when that started happening, I was like, and it was during the pandemic as well. I was like, what, what is going on? Like, this is absolutely mad. Um, but, um, but yeah. And then, and then, uh, in the end, so yeah, casting said, of Sue. Yeah. Right. You, that's oh, no. right. Yeah. So we, end, so we, um, we went, uh, with Amanda Abington in the end who I'm so happy that she did it because she like, I, on one of the days where she was doing one of the scenes, because when you've written something, it's been in your head for ages. And also, like I said to you before, like, this is never going to happen. This is never going to happen. never going to happen. I was going to make this. And then to see an actor like Amanda saying those lines, you know, in the way that she did... It just it just killed me. I just I just I just broke down. No. So I just died on set. On oh. set, yeah, yeah. I had to go down to the toilet. And I was wow. <laughs> I, there's something about that film because yeah. it's so traditional filmmaking, and there's so many fucking shit moments mm. of like this is never gonna happen. This is mm. like it's happened to me. It's happened to him. Mm. And then I think that for me that's a really special moment yeah. when you hear actors saying the words you've written three years ago. A hundred percent. And like I guess you know to other people it looks a bit strange, like you know it's just a short film and stuff. But it's like you you know you don't see what what comes before and just yeah. like the non-stop feeling like this is never gonna you know like yeah, just constant. Yeah. Um, not even rejection, like the constant not replied to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so. So that was amazing, and she is, she is, so good. Can I? Can I? I think it's. Uh, it would be really interesting to talk about how you. I mean, you keep saying we're nobody, and mm, all mm, of this. Mm. Which. How do you then give notes and work with um, her and yeah. Colin Farrell or Amanda Hamilton? Like how. How well, are you giving that? Like, because I, I, I would mm, find that terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Weird. Like, I think with when I was, uh, when I was directing Colin Farrell, which I can't believe I just that's <laughs> sad, <laughs> when Colin and I were <laughs> Colin and I, uh, uh, and you know, for both me and Tom as well, it was a huge moment. Like, yeah. it was a huge deal, but it was a huge deal and a huge moment for about five minutes. And then, to be honest, it was just like anything. It was just like directing um, anyone else, really. Mm. I mean, obviously, he's a he's one of the greatest actors of his generation. But it was you just get into the kind of the flow of it. Yeah. I know. I I guess I feel I feel confident in myself in terms of like creatively, just because I've done it for so long. So I feel like I'm. I, I don't, I'm not saying I'm confident all the time, but I, I feel like I deserve to be there. Yeah. Okay. So when I'm, when I'm giving direction and things like that, what I'm saying could be just like, just terrible. Like it might, just, might not be the right thing. And there are like a few decisions that I made, I remember, you know, during that film when I look back, I'm like, oh, Jesus, that was a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> but no, I never felt, I never felt like, um, a nobody in that sense i felt like a nobody in terms of like career wise but in terms of the actual doing of it i felt confident just because it's been a long time 
Um, so, but that was really fun. And it was really, I actually had a big takeaway from that, which was, because I... I'm an actor as well, or I used to be more so an actor. Um, but I was just surprised, and it sounds obvious, but I was surprised how much Colin was just an actor who really likes acting. Because you imagine that they're like these sort of ephemeral stars who are sort of superstars and then they also act. Like, and they're also good at acting, but it's like, no, he's first and foremost an actor, just like any of the actors that we know who are really, who are really into acting and who are really good. Like it was, it was no different to that. And there was nothing. And he was, I don't know, like he was, I, I think when you, when you see these actors, when you see like the Colin Farrells and the Whacking Phoenix and the Marlon Brando's and all that sort of lot, you, I at least look at them like when you roll the camera on them they start doing like godlike stuff mm. and that's not true they're just really really good yeah. and then it's the it's the other people around that then bring them to that like godlike you know it's the fucking lenses it's the storytelling it's the lighting like and that brings it to that level um and so that was a really that was a really good lesson mm. um that these people aren't gods um, they're just, it's, it's an obvious thing, but they're, they're just like us and they're no different. Um, they're just very passionate and very good. Yeah. That's it. Like, and they're also really famous and successful, but that's not like they're any different to the people who we direct, who are also, who are not, you know, quote unquote successful, but who are really good and really passionate. Yeah. It was just the same. So that was I nice. I guess you, you've got that's four hours with, with him and he's he's agreed to be mm. in it. He wants to be in it. Mm. So, you know, everyone's there and they want to be there. So mm. there's that element of it. As well. Oh, it was it was such a, yeah, it was a, it was an amazing privilege and I'll never forget working with, with Colin on that, with Amanda and with Woody as well because mm. Woody is, Woody is going to be the next, I think he's going to be like the next Christian Bale who like started off really young. Yeah. All he knows is he's been doing it since he was eight. Younger than that, like he knows film sets better than most people who are on films. Like mm. oh, that's a huge statement. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> he knows it better than most people yeah. who've been in their whole lives. Um, but he has been doing it his whole life, so yeah. he's so chill and he knows the world. And he's yeah, he's yeah. going to be a star. Yeah, he's a star he's epic. already. He's very very good. On that, actually, like yeah, we were wondering how you directed him as well mm. and the fact that he is child actor and how that was different mm. all the same as the other actors on set and yeah if yeah. you could particularly talk about the scene in which he breaks down yeah i think that would be really interesting to yeah us. it's really um so i used to cause i hope that's used... not a spoiler by the way <laughs> no 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 i mean you know in films shit gets real right? yeah no, shit so, gets real man um it's i used to because I know Woody really well and I used to obviously look after him. We have a kind of um, dialogue between us, um, which is, which is great, which makes it very easy. But to be honest, I think him and his mom are really a team. Um, it's quite a, a, quite a beautiful thing to watch um, because what would happen 
is that for those scenes, for like the big scenes where you've got to go to a certain place, it, um, what we would do is Vonda, Woody's mum, would take Woody into like a private room and essentially just chat to him. I don't know what was discussed, but essentially, and we would get everything ready. So we're like rolling, everything's ready so that once they're ready, then, then Vonda would literally send Woody in, who was primed, and then we, we would just start. So, and that was that was really cool because I think that he was 12, 11, 12 when we, were, when we shot it. And I think, you know, you've got, as you said, he does kind of break down. And, and if, if there's ever a safe way to do that in a responsible way, then it's with his mother, like who knows him mm. and who knows what's right. Um, so as opposed to like, as opposed to me or Tom, you know, trying to get them to some place like, which some you know some random dude i think hmm. i didn't we didn't even i didn't didn't plan that um but i so that, she yeah. she said so you were going to do that scene where he breaks down hmm. and she said what if did she say i'll take him to a room and i'll talk to him yeah that wasn't discussed beforehand it was on set on it was on day. set and then did uh, you have a plan in place if if, that, if it didn't work if it well if she hadn't have said that what was the i mean we were just going to direct until yeah just going to go for it until it until it until whatever we wanted would would come out um but it was just a quite a beautiful thing mm. yeah because often like he'd do it and i would be like oh my god that was amazing and then vonda would come out and be like let's do another one she can he can do better wow so like um uh so that was yeah I mean, there's always that, all that discussion in acting about, like, do you need to go to those places? And especially with a kid and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But I feel like as it goes, that's the, not, that is the safest way to do that kind of thing. I mean, he's not like, it's not like he's going to like a terrible, like awful, awful yeah, kind of place. But it's yeah. still like, I don't, you know, when it's a kid, it's, it's you know, crying. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, totally. And then generally directing him, what was the difference? Um... What between with like an adult? Yeah. Well, Woody's very free. He's very free. <laughs> so he and he's you know he's been around Joaquin like I think Joaquin, <laughs> Joaquin is pretty does like a wants. free actor as well. <laughs> yeah. does what he wants. It's quite so, a big influence for a ten year old. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so he's very kind of just like he you know I I he's got to stick to the script, um, and of course, but he's just. You know, he's he's that kind of actor, which is which is amazing. But it's funny because Amanda's the uh, Amanda's the opposite. Like she's a total pro. <laughs> like yeah. she will like she will lift up the glass that she picked up on that moment and put it down exactly the same time whilst nailing the emo like the emotion whatever it is of the scene. Whereas Woody is more kind of like you better be rolling because <laughs> you're going to get gold but you don't know what you don't know like how it's going to come out yeah. yeah. um, that must have been an interesting dynamic to because there's so many scenes with just the two of them yeah dealing with the difference between yeah. how she works so and true, how he yeah. works yeah. how did that how that work in, in practice I think the the, dis, the, disting, the distinguishing thing that I'm talking about here wasn't as wide as I'm making it out like they're that they they were more closer together than they were apart. But if if you wanted to distinguish it, that was how I'd say it was like Woody's more kind of like what what's going to happen, 
within the bounds of the script, whereas um, Amanda is just a professional um, uh, and with with a lot of experience and just um, yeah easier to edit Amanda's than than Woody's takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Did you do any uh, anything to build the because it's obviously it's a mother and son relationship. Had they met beforehand? Did you have rehearsal time, or, or like, how did you build that that chemistry? Did we? I don't even think we got them to meet beforehand. No, really, it was on the day. I think. Wow, wow. And did they do anything together then before you did the takes, or they just went straight into it? They were like, like chatting, and but yeah. they're both just like they're just both pros. They're just both pros. Yeah, like what is. Woody's a pro, you know, and he's he's now fourteen, but he was twelve at the time. Mm. And like Woody's had loads of like on screen mums. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's just such a cool thing to just like What have... a weird sentence, can I just say yeah. Woody's had loads of on screen mums. Sorry, yeah, exactly. that's what we so call weird, it, isn't it? Yeah. Me and Vonda always just like oh, so this is your on screen mum for this film or for for yeah, 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 yeah. Um but yeah, it's such a it's such a privilege to work with people who are just very good at what they do. Yeah, so I thought we'd change um, tact a little bit here and talk about, I guess, what kind of pops out to me when I watch your work is that they're short films, but the runtime is a lot longer than standard short films. So like Fred is like upwards of 30 minutes. This this film is 40 minutes. 40 minutes. <laughs> the one I'm just doing now just came in a half an hour as well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you made another one. Oh, right, I didn't know you made another one. Yeah, I've got two shorts coming up. They're very, very lo-fi. We can talk about... I'm trying to make lo-fi a word, by the way. Uh, As you can tell, I've used it already. (laughs) Lo-fi, 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 lo-fi. I'm trying to make it a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll come to that in a bit. But yeah, like, I actually remember speaking to you about this, like, years ago. Mm. um, And sort of being like, yeah, but film festivals, you know, will obviously find that difficult to program. Mm. And you must have had people mention that to you and uh, also give you feedback on the work being like condense it and I actually think that's part of like what I really like about Fred because it feels like a film where you've just done exactly the fuck what you want yeah um, yeah, 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 yeah. and I, yeah I just feel yeah I wondered if you could really talk about your perspective it's such a good question I feel like it also just comes to the heart of like what being an artist is which is like mm. how much do you do what they want you to do or what you're supposed to do to get ahead because it probably yeah. will help you get ahead Versus just being like, fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah. This is my film. And, and, I and feel it's like, going to be yeah, 40 minutes long. And I yeah, like that yeah. about your stuff because it does feel like, fuck you guys. I know, I don't, I feel, I, yeah. I, fucking, I don't know. It's such a, it's such a funny question because I do, obviously, I think when you don't do it for so long and like people don't, and you know, the gate, this idea of the gatekeepers you start to just become a bit resentful towards yeah. them, which I think is certainly a thing that we, we must talk about as artists. I certainly feel that. Yeah, I feel Of like, too, yeah. when for so long they don't pick you, or you then just start to be like, well, fuck you then. You know, I'm going to do, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm. Um, I saw a film last night, and I, but I, and I think it's a good thing to remind myself of actually, is I saw a film last night, which I won't say what film it was, but it's a new film. And it's like a British film. And, uh, you know, it was all funded and all this sort of stuff. And it was it was awful. It was absolutely <laughs> awful. It was like when you only go to like a short film scratch Was it a short night. film was a feature? It was a feature length film. You only go to like a short film scratch night and you're like, this is terrible. Yeah. 
But imagine that, but in a, in the form of a feature that had money and was like fun. Playing at Picture House. <laughs> it was just like terrible. And then I was saying to uh, our mutual friend, Jamie, I was just like, these, the people that we spend years trying to get the attention of or get the permission to do stuff, this is what they're making. Mm. I'm not saying that entirely, but like, there's so much stuff on Netflix, like all the people that I email and tell who like, oh, they're Netflix, blah, 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 blah. but then if you really think about it, do you really like what they're making? They're making? Yeah. And the answer is like nine, nine times out of 10, I'm pretty indifferent towards it, slash no. Um, and I feel like the game is different now. This is what I'm speaking to a lot of people is like, my... <sighs> I'm going to make a bold prediction. Go for it. Yes. Right? We're all about bold predictions. Travel like a new section. Bold predictions. My bold prediction, right, is that um, filmmaking and filmmakers will go down the same path that a lot of other art artistry is going down currently, which is that um, m musicians and comedians, for example, now the way you, it used to be that you make like if you were a, a comedian that you do gigs and then an agent will see you and then make you famous or then put you up and then whatever. Um, so you needed them. Nowadays, if you're a comedian, this has obviously happened with my group as well. You don't do that. You build it yourself. You literally build it yourself. And then eventually once you've built your audience, which you're, it's self-sustaining, um, then it's like taking some of the power back. Um, that's what's happened in music. People yeah. now build up there like Billie Eilish, like everyone, like you build it up yourself. And then later on, maybe the institutions or the, you know, the traditional media will comes your way and sort of helps you out. But my prediction is that it will be, and it's already happening slowly is that it will be the same with filmmakers as well, because everything is becoming so affordable now. Um, you can get a Blackmagic 6K Pro, which looks 98% of what an Alexa looks like. Mm. Fuck what all the DPs say. Oh, I can't wait. I can't. We've got some DPs that listen to this. I can't wait for their reaction. Like, I, I just feel like all the DPs always like, well, you've got to shoot on Alexa. You've got to shoot because of the dynamic, dynamic range and the image. Or the Venice. Or the Venice. Or or it's, like, it's like, yeah, but also no. Because if you look at most, if you if you got any audience member and showed them like a side by side comparison, I've watched thousands of these on YouTube of like the six K Pro versus Alexa. Yeah. No one is going to tell the difference. Like no one. Also, you could shoot something beautiful on an Alexa with a shit story and shit performances. And totally. Totally. I actually had a chat with DP yesterday, and he admitted to me because he was going to buy an Alexa, and he was like, "I don't think I'm going to do it anymore." I shot the, I shot something on the FX9 the other day, and it was fucking amazing. Absolutely. And I don't think I could tell the difference. And it's like, yeah, you can't. And not yeah. only that, but these, these, this is my rant. These newer cameras as well, like the FX3 and the Blackmagic, they actually in some ways are better than these than the than the studio cameras because the studio cameras need loads of light to mm. function and maybe not like the the, 30, the Alexa 35 and all these newer ones it's getting a bit better but with the FX3 you can go up to I'm getting into the weeds of it now but you can go up to 16,000 oh no was it 12,800 ISO is its base ISO that basically means that like you don't need as many lights yeah. to light stuff so it's like my point is is that it, I think it slowly becomes more like musicians where, you know, people are making a careers from their bedrooms now. 
I think Jim Cummings has talked. I was going to say, well. yeah, yeah Jan's a huge Jim Cummings. I love fan. Jim Cummings, but yeah, yeah you know, it, in America, it seems to be kicking off. Maybe more than it's kicking off. Yeah, here. yeah, Probably yeah. because of him. But, I think um, so, yeah. but I think it just needs some people to prove. Because I still think, well, I feel it myself. That like, oh, that can't be right. Like, surely you have to have X, Y, Z to make. And people can, it's not the dominant opinion by any means, or people no. will try and convince you otherwise, I'd say. Yeah. Like, you've got um, to have this, you've got to have the huge crews, and you've got to get the You've got to get the funding. Yeah. You've got you to get, gotta get yeah, Exactly. Like, I know so many. But then, like, it could, and, but then it stops so many people doing anything. Yeah. We talked we talk to Mark Jenkins about this as well, because we like, oh, anytime yeah. I write a short, I, it ends up blowing up mm. into a big, mm. bigger thing than I mm. originally had intended and mm. costing way more money. Mm. Um, and then you get into it yourself and be like, yeah, cool. It's going to look fucking amazing. Great. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. But then it's like, actually like for just keep making loads of stuff yeah. for like barely any money. For hardly, and you can make, you can, you can make stuff. I mean, I'm making, I've got two little shorts coming out. So like Fred, right. Which is like half an hour was like one of my first kind of shorts. And I didn't really know anything about lenses or cameras or anything like that. But since then I now know a lot more. And so I'm making two shorts at the moment that I've made on about a hundred quid or 500 quid. And that's with sound, um, uh, paying certain people, obviously not, I mean, it's really, really small crews. Like, so a flower, which I just did with, with Susie, who's like a close collaborator of mine, she's an actress. It was me, her, and, and a third person who I would get to help out. A bit like, um, I think it's David Sandberg. Oh, sounds familiar. Oh yeah, he just he does the out, he just did Shazam. He just didn't did, he? yeah. yeah. So oh, he used to make yes. all his own shorts. He used to make yeah. all his Lights own shorts. Out, is it yeah. Lights, Lights Out? Lights oh, Out. Yeah. And then, yeah, but I great. think that's where things will be will be going. It'll be more like that because he built it's the same thing. He built his audience. Yeah. And then obviously he'd made some fucking amazing stuff, but he had an audience as well. And I think mm. it had that's an audience, yeah. kind of what you're getting at maybe as well as like building your audience. And we talked about this as well. Yeah. Like there's that Mark Duplass. Um, yeah, same, the, same uh, sort of thing. SXSW, Mark Duplass. Yeah, yeah, South by yeah, Southwest. All that he, stuff. Yeah, it's like the ca- his thing is the camera is not coming. And yeah. It's just like build your audience. But then but this that's is your power as well in a way, right? Totally. But this is audience. the big question, which is how which I ask, which I'm trying to figure out at the moment. I don't know the answer to this question. How do we as filmmakers build our audience? Because in the way that Mm. content works is that if you look at, it works with music, it works with comedy, especially. So my improv thing, like we're putting out three videos a week um, and they get, you know, however many views and that is slowly building up the following. But like what, is that for filmmaking? Because I know a lot of people like you've got your Danny Gervitz and people like that who are, they're, they're YouTubers who teach you how to make films and then, but they want to make films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but what happens when they put their short out, they often don't get as many views than the actual how-tos. Yeah. So my question has been, how do you build an audience without being a how-to film, uh, a how-to YouTuber? Mm. What is the thing that you can put out on Instagram three times a week? Is it clips from your film? Yeah. Is it, what is it that's not gonna be like too much going out of your way to like get it and because then you spend all your time growing your fucking thing as opposed to making films. Yeah. Like what, what is it? I've tried, I don't know if you're on Instagram, but like you know there's sometimes they're just like, it'll be like a, 
like on reels, it'll just be like a beautiful, like few uh, frames of like Shanghai. And then it will, and it looks beautiful. And the music will be like one heart by snowfall or whatever. I don't know if you uh, have, have a look at that. I'll show you, but they get like uh, hundreds of thousands of views and they're about five seconds. And it's just like pretty cinematic images plus some music that then, that then takes off. And you have people on Instagram who have hundreds of thousands of followers and this is all that they do. Yes. So my thought was like, well, can you do that with your own film? So you take sort of some cinematic f- frames and it's only about five seconds. You put some nice music on it and you put that up. And then basically, yeah, the question is that I'm interested in is how do you build up? Because if it's, if it's, if it's just your short films, short films take, especially if you've got no money, so they take long. so fucking long. Yeah. Like there's no way that you're going to put out one short film and then that will... Like the likelihood of it going like viral or, or even if that's what you want it's we actually talked I, I remember sending like a long voice note to you where I'd have this mega idea of starting a YouTube channel we just make a short film oh, we yeah. put a short film yeah. out every week and then it would get into the weeds but it's like this is impossible yeah because yeah. actually to build the audience like you said you have to be putting something out every week and you can't put a short film out every week. It's just not, you can't. It's not viable. Yeah, it takes time. So like building an audience through YouTube or Instagram, mm-hmm. if you're putting the whole... Sh- you just can't do it. Yeah. So maybe it is just it's clips or maybe it is you shoot a tiny little, I don't know, one little segment every week with a mate. Where yeah. You, but you'd have to yeah. do the sound, you'd have to do count. Because every time you're making a short, and I, I'm sure mm. on your um, lo-fi ones, mm. making it a thing. Make it a thing. Um, <laughs> make it a thing. That, that you are asking favour upon favour upon... I, I'm just completing one now, and it's just kind of killing me how many favours. It's so, it's so and slow it's just, as well. Yeah, because obviously they get paid work, and paid work's more important. You've got rent to pay and, and everything. So you're there That's just hard. like making a small short film that you shot like a year ago. That, yeah. That yeah. there was it's like five minutes and you're just, and obviously people are very kindly do it, but it just takes so long. So, but that's why I feel like the, the future I, that I would hope I would hope for is where if, yeah, the filmmakers become the studios themselves and somehow you build up a large following whether it's on instagram and youtube um because like no one really builds following on vimeo like it's just yeah i was i was interested mm. in your you could yeah, put all your stuff on youtube rather than vimeo and what, I, yeah, why uh because i guess you may have just said it then but. because i feel like you can you you have i mean i've got no followers on youtube i hardly any yeah, at all yeah. but like i feel like there's at least that's what i feels intuitively that there's something around there that you could build up something on YouTube because people say, oh, it's short things, but it's not. Like people watch long stuff on YouTube. My parents watched this thing with this guy called Martin Berg something and he's building a house and each of his episodes are an hour and it's just him slowly building a house and he's like talking, there's no, it's not like Mr. Beast. Everyone feels like it has to be like Mr. Beast. Mm. It doesn't. I think it can be, you can find your audience on YouTube, but again, you've just got, it's got like, it's got, we've got to find to find that thing mm-hmm. that, that can help build that. Because then again, if you build the audience, let's say you've got a hundred thousand, you get to like a hundred thousand uh, followers on Instagram or on YouTube that can then start funding the films themselves. Oh, yeah. And because the films are now costing so much less to make, you, you know, you, I crowning I made on, uh, 500 pounds and that film was 20 minutes so if you do the maths 
in terms of making a feature film, obviously the price is going to go up. But like, I don't know, I think it's possible to, I personally think it must be possible to make films, like feature films on like 10K, 5K, 10K that are not like, that are, that are maybe a bit rough around the edges, but really fucking good. There's got, there has to be a, because there's got to be a new way of doing this now. I don't know. I just feel like if, if, if the, if Kubrick and Tarantino were, were our age where we were, I think they would be making films and putting them on YouTube is what I think. I know that's because currently that's like, you don't do that as a film heckler. You don't put your film up on YouTube, but I think. I think that's bullshit. I think that's. I think it's like you say. It's like almost like as soon as you say YouTube, there's like this taboo almost yeah. around it. Like, yeah, 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 Stuff yeah. on YouTube. But Vimeo's like, yeah. okay, ooh, yeah. sexy. Same fucking platform. Same, same fucking platform. Same, same thing. Same, same thing. fucking thing. <laughs> no, yeah. like, no, not like most normal people don't go on Vimeo. Yeah, mm, yeah. that's and so true, isn't it? Really for filmmakers, yeah, kind of whatever. Yeah. Um, you make a lot. You make a good point there, but we should move away from this point, I think, because I feel like yeah, we could talk. Um, a lot about that all of us mm-hmm. uh, we thought we'd move on to your work with Shoot from the Hip which oh, yeah. is the improv group we mentioned at the start yeah um, check them out on Instagram it's hilarious yep. I mean and TikTok, TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> YouTube TikTok's owned by Chinese government now you know, yeah but that, we, love them. <laughs> <laughs> we love we them we love them we love them the Chinese <laughs> government doing is brilliant <laughs> um, but anyway like just as a bit of context you guys have got like 600,000 followers on TikTok right 800,000. Oh, sorry. Since we last spoke. Damn. 200,000 in a week added. <laughs> yeah. And then different. what's the following on Instagram of the Shoot from the Hip? Uh, that's not as much, about 65,000. Okay. Well, still yeah. really, really impressive. Yeah. But you've been doing this for eight months and like, and you are in charge of social media yeah. with, with your group Shoot from the Hip. And maybe talk a little bit about your social media journey slash tips for yes. people who want to We're avoiding the word journey on this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, journey is a scary word for us. Journey is a scary word. Because it's, takes, the reason why the, AJ is sometimes like it just goes on forever and we're in like Mexico traveling with people. Powder. Powder, that's for you. But yeah, go for it, man. Um, well, so what happened was that I'd been a part of a improv comedy group for about, 10 years this has been going for over 10 years we had residencies at various comedy clubs and we did that for 10 years and then um and then the pandemic happened the pandemic oh the pandemic the pandemic pandemic happened and we we lost those residencies pretty much and we were like well it's probably i think we're kind of done now like tom and sam they're the guys in the group kind of got a normal job and so we were like and that's how I've uh, one of the main ways that I've been sort of sort of pocket money was been through donations off of that show. Uh, we did two shows every week, and at the end we're like, "Hey, there's a bucket, you know, put some money in," and we'd split that. Uh, but then over the, and then so we thought it was pretty much done. And then over the pandemic, I had just been aware of like I'm on YouTube a lot, and you know there are comedians like the Theo Vons and the. Um, the Andrew Schultzes and all this kind of stuff. And a bit like what I was saying before of how they essentially built their own thing. They've, especially Andrew Schultz is like one of the biggest standups on the planet now. And 
he built the whole thing with the podcast and all, and that's what all comedians are doing nowadays is that they'll st- they'll set up a podcast and they'll put clips and blah, blah, blah. so so I was just aware of that and then we had some we got we booked some gigs in August last year um just some random gigs some one off and we kind of said oh yeah we'll we'll do them but we and we did it and we filmed it with just like an iPhone at the back and then I remember doing it and being like why can't this work? Why can't we do the same thing that that all the other stand, you know, obviously it's improv, so it's different, but it's like, why could we not do that? Anyway, I was just going through a time where I like, just had a lot of time. Um, uh, and I just thought, I'll just give it a go. And obviously, cause I edit a lot as well with my films and all this sort of stuff. So I just started putting up, I was doing a video a day um, and I was putting them up on like Instagram and TikTok and I didn't know what TikTok really was eight, nine months ago. I had no idea like what the hell it was. <laughs> and then I started putting some clips up on there and then I still, I was actually going through my phone the other day like when I took a picture and it said 10,000 views to the to the guys I was like oh my god this video's got 10,000 views and we were like oh my god that's amazing um and we had probably two followers on TikTok like nothing and then uh so then I kept on posting and then one got 200,000 views and we were like holy shit I remember Sam texted me like have you like is this a mistake? Like what's going, what's happening? And I said, I don't know. It's just gone to 200,000 views. And then I had a friend who's uh, big on TikTok. She was just helping me sort of with some of the stuff. Kept going, kept going. Um, and now, yeah, nine months later, we're at 810, I think, thousand followers. Um, and and going back a bit, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Was was all you you were doing at this point just posting every day? Was that it? Were, were you thinking like, was there some sort of secret analytics thing that you were no. trying to do? Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I was literally just posting a video every day, and I, I did hashtag in the, the shit out of it. The shit out of it. Okay. And at the beginning, this is TikTok, this not is Instagram t- or both. Well, I stopped on on Instagram because nothing was really happening. I shouldn't have done. I should have kept going, mm. but I stopped. I just because because we saw like a few of the videos actually had done, uh, but that was only really it was like the tenth or twelfth video that I had put up that 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 got like two hundred thousand views, and that was when I was like, oh, this could actually work, uh, but no one in the improv space has really done this. Um, there were like definitely like clips of improv and stuff online, but no group has kind of like made a systematic like we're going to do this, you know, and put it and be primarily online. We're one of the first to do it. So that's why I think it took off so much on TikTok. Once I started to really figure it out as well, because there's definitely an art to it, um, which after, you know, having done a lot of videos now, um, it's all in that setup and the opening, but not in the way that I thought it was, which was like, say something really catchy and then they'll watch it. It's not that, it's 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 context. It's really fast context. 
um, and then into the game. Mm. For, for, oh, co- just conscious about what the game's about. Like what this is. And what you are. Like, what is, what, like, what is shoot from imagining that no one's ever seen improv before. Right. Like, you can't, I think what people were doing before when they tried it, which is why no one's, is that they would just put, like, a clip of someone doing a scene. And it's like, no one really knows what the hell this is. <laughs> like, what is this? Right, right. Um, but, yeah, and so... I was doing that and slowly I got better at in the first three, four seconds of establishing what it is. So improv game, they can only speak one word at a time and then, and then, and then it's it's started. We're off. So they get it right off the bat and then they're, they're they're not scrolling down because they want to hear, they want to know what's next basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I used to do it. Uh, so about three months up until about three months ago I used to do it where it was like it would start off with one of us on on stage because we said we just record the shows and I just mind the shows for content and it was just like okay I do it from the bit where it's like okay guys in our next game uh, Sam and Luke uh, are going to be playing the same where it, when we say change they have to change what they just said okay can I get a suggestion okay alright and give it up for the game and then they start you've lost everything yeah yeah you've got to just, yeah. Into, yeah. just cut it down like but those, this, this is the game boom yeah. yeah. well yeah. that's what happened because at first that, I mean those were doing okay they would get around 50 to 100,000 on tic- sorry to, to clarify as well this on is all TikTok. on TikTok all, yeah right okay. now I'm speaking yeah. Yeah, only on TikTok yeah which was which is obviously great like 50 to 100,000 views f- for the video was amazing and then the odd then the odd time we got like a million views and it was like great. what did you do on and then did you go okay what did we do on that video? right it's literally like um like you sort of prodding here prodding there and you're like oh that worked why was it that oh no it wasn't that uh, mm. I think the big myth actually as much as I don't like Mr. Beast's content I just it stresses me out <laughs> uh, and I you know he is right when I think that the, the, the big sort of limiting belief that I think a lot of people have is that viral content is out of control there's no reason for it it's like and he says this as well he's like no no it's a skill that you learn what it is about it that which is why again in the filmmaking space I'm interested in finding out what that is mm. because I've kind of figured out uh, what that looks like and it's for, for the improv thing which is that yeah so we were at the 50 to 100,000 range but then when I changed it so that the game start pretty much starts when it when it's like um, just after one of us goes give it up for the and he goes Woo, and they're all like Woo, and then we start and I put improv game, they can only do this, and in brackets, the situation. That's in, like, the caption? or, or, or... Literally just in the... Uh, so if you just can't come onto it, you would see us just about to start the scene. The audience is kind of cheering, just as we're about to start. And it will say in the top, um, in big letters, improv game, and then whatever the game is, in a short kind of sentence. Right. And it will be either, they can only speak one word at a time. That's big at the top. And then uh, as it started, in brackets, it will give the, the scenario. So, I've, and those changed from about 50 to 100,000 to about a million per video. Wow. So, that changed everything. And um, so now, yeah, we're around about between 750 to a million per video. Um, on average, and that so that so that's the thing is that it's not it's not a random 
oh, this just randomly went big because of some algorithm thing. So I was like, no, no, mm. there's a reason why. And I think it's kind of like being a sort of a scientist about what was it about that that caught differently. Like, for example, we did one video that's had 27 million views and I'm Whoa. obviously still trying to find out. Like, from <laughs> that was, yeah. is the kind of premise that I now use for all the ones that get like a million because obviously something mm. in that, in the setup, in, in all of it and the game itself. Was it different in terms of the caption you put up or like in terms of the length of it maybe or is it a particularly funny one or? no if this is the thing it was a game of change uh which is where we have to if we'll do a scene but then at any moment some uh one of the uh someone on the side shouts change when the improviser yeah, the that change, and they have to, you have to change what you just said or did so if i was like oh nice shirt change oh nice hat change oh nice eyes change oh have you been here before change oh, have you been here before? <laughs> whatever um that that was the one that got our first million, I think. Okay. And that was when I was doing the, okay, in the ne this next game, blah, blah, blah. But then when I shifted the new opening, uh, the quicker opening with context, and then put, ch and then that was changed, that was the one that went viral. Mm. Um, and that one we went, we had, I knew shit was going down because <laughs> two hours after we posted it, we had, Three million views, and I was like, "What is like looking at my phone?" Is like, "What is happening?" Yeah. And we went from three hundred and fifty thousand followers to seven hundred and fifty in a week, two weeks. Wow, so that was a big. How do you, can you monetize that then on TikTok? Like, this is the big question work, because, as I say, I'm poor, so I <laughs> yeah, like, and I'm there and I'm looking at these videos getting millions of views, and I'm just like, "Why am I not making loads?" Of money? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what's going on? Because like, who's like? Surely someone's getting something from that. Like, well, the, I mean, I have, yeah, we are figuring that out at the moment. Yeah. The, the, the issue at the moment is that TikTok is just like, it's difficult to make money off of TikTok. Mm. Instagram, you can make, make, you can make money off of. So you can, uh, if you've got a hundred thousand followers, people will pay you upwards of a grand for a post. I think that's a, probably a huge approximation, but uh, depending on, yeah, about that. Um, YouTube, if you if you've got hundred thousand followers on YouTube, then, then through ads you'll make a lot of money. Mm. Um, but on TikTok, that's an issue that they have at the TikTok have at the moment because they don't do ads, um, and the br brands aren't really there so much in the sort of TikTok space. They are, but not as much as I'd say that they're sort of comfortable with Instagram. So you want to basically direct them to your Instagram. Right. But this is the thing is that we, but that's what TikTok don't want because that's what people mm. are doing is that they, because they want people to stay on the platform. And what's happening is that they're building up, people are like exactly like we are, they're building up their following on TikTok and then sending them over to other platforms. Yeah, well, they should pay their fucking creators. Well, this better. is the thing, but like how would they, they've tried certain things. They've just started something which we're just about to dive into called TikTok series, which is essentially where you have videos behind a paywall so you can pay like a pound and you get access to this video and you can literally be able to sell that video on so imagine like having a video that has 27 million views and then it says just in the bottom little link like behind the scenes a pound and you just mm -hmm. click it and it fucking pays on your phone just like we do normally there's a potential for a, a, a lot of money to be made if, if 27 million pounds 
Yeah. 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 Oh my god. Yeah, I mean he's getting TikTok. It hasn't it's it's a really new thing and like we put up some behind the scenes and I priced it way too much. But that video got like five point six million views and it was the video of like behind the scenes was like four pounds ninety nine, which was way too much. I don't know why I put it at that. Yeah. I was just experimenting. I can't change the price now, and that got like three people bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if yeah. you put like put it at fifty p or something. Well, this is it. So yeah, we're, we're just about to do one today, actually, which we'll put a new video up, and it's like a improv tips series because they're called series. So it's like a, you you pay for a series of videos. Yeah. And that's about one pound fifty. Okay. And I'm going to put that on the video, so I'll see how Curious. that goes. How um, are we, sorry. Uh, I was going to ask, actually, just moving back to Instagram. Mm. So was the strategy, yeah, just to change it as, you know, conscious that the listeners will be, or will most, be mostly filmmakers, filmmakers and they'll be wanting yeah. to, to stay on that platform. So yeah, what was the strategy there then in terms of, because 60K is still, you know, very same impressive. Thing. Exactly the same thing. So okay. I just put the same videos. I just started to, because originally I didn't do Instagram because I didn't do it very well, but Instagram was slight. It took a while before the algorithm got happy with us. Mm-hmm. And then and then now when we put up a video, exactly the same videos that we put up on TikTok, we just put up on Instagram, that will get around fifteen to 20,000 views per video that we put up. Okay, so you're checking, you'll be, yeah, very conscious on the, the like viewing figures. Decent it's amount, decent, it? but it's yeah. obviously completely different to, yeah, to, to, yeah, to TikTok, yeah. which gets like a million. And also specific videos will do, like we do like these behind the scenes warm-up games, which do fine on TikTok, but, but do really well on Instagram. Right. For some reason, every time I put up a behind the scenes warm-up, that'll get like half a million views. And to bring this all back to filmmaking, which is why I think this is so important, is that if, if, if the kind of things that we're talking about is where maybe this might be going, the question is, is that someone needs to crack the code of building up an audience as a filmmaker where they don't have to do how-to videos. They don't necessarily have to do BTS. It can just be the work itself. Mm-hmm. What is that thing? Like, is it little clips of the actual film? Because I don't want to, I don't want to do clips of being like, Hey guys, when you film, <laughs> it's so lame. Can you imagine yeah. Kubrick doing that? Like, how how less amazing would The Shining have been how that came Kubrick out if Kubrick hey guys. <laughs> had done loads of like how-to videos yeah. or like behind the scenes and been like, okay, my new film, like it's boring, it sucks. Like, Maybe he would just do like, yeah, like you say, like a shot or something like a close-up of Nicholson or something like mm. that and a slow push. And you a know, slow push in with and some cool music. Because yeah, I think the features like, like that. that they do are only, I, I love them. But I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, right. it's not going to get you a big audience. No, like I don't think that, that mm. anyone really cares, apart from filmmakers, maybe. I think if I so, yeah. if I had like because I'm doing the TikTok thing so much with shoot from the hip, I have been experimenting a little bit with with little success. Um, I got one video that got like five thousand views, which was just a series of um, like two to three second clips of a, of a film that I made, like some of the nicest sort of imagery uh, and then some of some real music that I put on the top. So if I had more time to focus on this, I'd maybe I'd start experimenting a bit more with that and then just keep, because obviously, as I said, with, with, with Shoot From The Hip, the way I figured it out is I was doing it every day. So I think if I was doing that every day, I'd probably crack onto something because like where do you get your content from as well and if you're making these that's why if you are making if we are if we do if we are making these lo-fi films mm-hmm. and we're making lots of them 
then surely that's the thing that we need to because if you then have to start doing other content it just takes away from the being a filmmaker yeah anyway so this is something as you can tell i'm thinking about a lot um but it's a great lesson it must be for you to learn that you've managed to build that up with tiktok and how you can apply that yeah. to your own individual well because now like with with the improv thing we sell out all our shows <laughs> we have brands who come to us now to pay us to put out um certain videos and it's not like any on instagram on tiktok, on TikTok and on instagram yeah. um uh yeah, we, we had a brand come to us recently who paid us, you know, which to us is a ridiculous amount of money um, for, but but that is the, I think, yeah, with our kind of following it, and again, I've asked other people in this space who do this, what the kind of thing is, like you can charge like, with the amount of people we have, you can charge anywhere between one to 10K for five videos, um, you know, approximate. And also the thing to remember is that for Spaceman, Tom's production company, Tom Foolery, they do poetry online and make money through branding and things like that, which funded the Spaceman. Yeah. And was that, sorry, was that on TikTok and Instagram as well? That was on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of it. So it's a, it's a means of, it's a means of income. And I think there's, there's something, there's something there. Mm. Um, but I think it's who's going to do it first. Yeah. Uh, and y- yeah, so that's, uh, but, and again, it's just, I'm, I'm saying this out loud. I want someone to do it because then we can, as I say, have some of the power back. We, we love asking this question on this podcast because I feel like often you kind of get an impression when I listen to podcasts, you know, that it's, it's an easy ride. You know, you're just filmmaking all the time. Um, is that the case for you? you? Do you have something on the side that you're doing? Is it the shoot from the hip? Is it something else? My goal is to make it so that shoot from the hip is the thing that covers me entirely. Right. Okay. That that was when I saw what <clears throat> started going on. I thought, well, that's the dream for me. Is that shoot from the hip will uh, will pay for my life whilst I'm my films, or or just at the very le- at the very least keep me afloat as a human being pay my rent so that I can just make films. Mm-hmm. That was the goal. Um, it's not doing that, but it's starting to, as I say, we've had a few brands reach out to us. Um, it's still very, very slow and not something that you can live off of, especially because there's like four of us in the group. So whatever we make, obviously we split in four ways. So how do I sustain myself? Well, it's a mixture of, of a bit of money, a bit of pocket money that I make from the shoot from the hip shows. I'll probably make about a hundred odd quid, maybe a bit more um, for the shows that we do. And we do like three or four shows a month. Um, And then I was teaching drama at Sylvia Young. Uh, uh, So I've been doing that. Uh, I also more recently was teaching filmmaking or short filmmaking at a college, UCA in Farnham, which which is really fun. I mean, the truth is, is that like, I don't know, I feel a bit like in that job, like I don't, I know how to make films, but I don't really know how to teach filmmaking. Like, mm. so I just give them a bunch of exercises that I think would be really fun to do. <laughs> I, I do the same. I teach filmmaking yeah, well, on weekends yeah. as well. I do the same thing. <laughs> it's great. Cause it, I mean, I, I just think like, oh, what would be really fun? Like, oh, you can, you got to shoot a film that's like 
two minutes, but you can only cut three times. You know what I mean? Like that, that stuff is really fun. So I just try and do that. And, and I'm not a film academic either. Like I can't tell you about the history of like new Taiwanese, whatever. So, so, uh, so I'm not going to try and do that. Like, I'll give you a very basic outline, you know, <laughs> of, of like, what new Taiwanese cinema, the, the new wave, like, yeah, the, the, the new wave Taiwanese cinema looks like, like, so yes. And, and so I do that. Um, and then odd little bits and bobs, but no, but I don't have much money and often I will be in trouble. Uh, and I panic and I'm, I can't, you know, I've got stags coming up, which I can't, it's like, I'm having to ask friends to like, um, to cover me for it. It's horrible. It's awful. Yeah. Um, I, I bailed on a couple last year cause it was just like, I, was, I can't pay that much money to go. Well, that's it. You, but, but you say like, I can't afford to do this yeah, and that. And obviously yeah. friends and stuff want you there and they've got like nice city paying jobs. Mm. And so they're like, and then, you know, so they can like, oh, I'll cover you. And you're like, that's so lovely. And it makes me feel um, a bit shit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I, but at the same time, I don't know what else I I could just like not go, I guess is probably the right thing to do. But then it's, you see your mate stag. And I, I know this is, this is obviously a very specific, but I think it broadly speaking, it means, yeah, there's a sacrifice here in terms yeah. of what we're doing. Yeah. And like, I can't go on holidays. I can't do all that sort of stuff. I don't know if I'm going to make it every single, uh, going to pay rent every single month. Um, and I, I'm 31 years old and sometimes when it's really bad, I still have to go to my parents for money. Like, I don't mm. want to have to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also something that like, that often that, that people don't, don't really speak about of, um, that, yeah, sometimes it, I'm not, I, I don't want to be here. Like it's so terrible for me because I think if worse comes to worse, um, I'm a privileged dude mm. and like I, it's not like my parents own a bank or anything but I'm an only child so if worse comes to worse they would probably help well, they would help me out yeah but and so I'm very privileged in that sense and not and there are other people who aren't who can't do that yeah so we still have a bit of an issue of like middle class middle class white dudes um, who are the people um, who can do it because if worse comes to worse, they're not totally fucked. They're not totally fucked. Yeah. It's still shit. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, and it does not do wonders for your self esteem. Mm. Put it that way. Um, yeah. Just to say as well, we're also two middle class, privileged yeah. white dudes, you yeah. know, in this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, we, yeah, totally. Yeah. Thanks for your honesty. Um, yeah. We have. You're, we're in the same boat yeah really yeah. Um, but it's good but to it's, like it's, chat it's, about it's, it's interesting everyone has the same hustle that I'm talking to that's trying to get in there you know mm. And, mm. and it's yeah doing multiple different fucking things yeah just to go okay cool yeah. I can pay rent or I can, I can go on this little trip or whatever do you think that because of that it makes us because we're poor do you think that makes us worse artists because we're desperate to get chosen Probably. Probably, yeah. Because I think it does. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I don't think all the time, because I think there's lots of situations where directors were desperate. Like, I know that um, he wasn't necessarily financially desperate, but like, I know that like The Godfather, um, 
Coppola didn't want to do. But he, he was fine, actually. If you listen to him. He was, that's true. He was like he, 29, 30 or something. He, he, was, like, so he, he yeah. was like, why? He, I think from what I was reading his biography though, recently, yeah. he was just sort of saying that like he didn't want to do it. He thought it was like, oh, I don't want to do the studio thing. Like it's... Mm. The Godfather was like a big book. It was like a big famous book at the time, but it wasn't like the kind of nuanced book that mm. we uh, film that we all know. Yeah. And then it was George Lucas who was like, "Just do it, you know. Yeah. Oh, fine, I'll do it. I'll do the Godfather, yeah. <laughs> you know." And same with um, <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Uh, the uh, fuck, what's his name? The guy who did Children of Men. Oh, in Quaron. Alfonso Quaron. Like, and there are situations where he was said, you know, go and make he took the money to make a film which ended up being you know fucking Harry Potter or, mm, yeah, or yeah, children yeah. or whatever so I don't think that's always the case certainly but I do feel like it just makes you like because mm. uh, you want to you want to fit the box you're desperate to get the, fit the boxes I guess you're desperate to have a career yeah. exactly yeah. you want to so pay like, rent you want to so, yeah, yeah oh for me at least I mean we kind of spoken about this earlier on but it's like okay well if I want to get into this festival then I have to hit these sort of themes or tick mm-hmm. these sort of boxes. Mm-hmm. Or if I have to get this funding, then I have to do yeah. this sort of thing, which is not, you know, great, a great thing for, for the best yeah. kind of work you want to make. Like yeah. we were discussing earlier. I guess it's good to have that side hustle of money, right? Like to and get something can... and then that on the side, you then are making these films. But yeah. then like you say, you then make them very lit. Like they're not often, mm. you're not making mm. them very often. Yeah. I mean, like mine, I'm trying to finish at the moment and I owe, everyone post-production money I'm like yep yeah. yeah, cool I'm going to get that to you yeah. at some point <laughs> yeah. and I want to pay you as yeah. soon as I possibly can but you're yeah. like I also need to pay rent and I'm yeah. like fuck yeah, exactly. you know and it's just like yeah. yeah trying to just even trying to finish it off mm-hmm. it's like fuck yeah, yeah. It's totally struggles a bit honest but, and that's that's why again if this code can be cracked yes so together we will crack it yeah we, if anyone's figured it out in terms of what that might look like. Hit us up on short Or we'll be watching you with interest, like, when's yeah. AJ going to crack this Maybe, code? Yeah, so, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Next week, can, you know, you know. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Um, I think we should segue into the last, uh, the last final question. Um, so it's something we ask all of our guests. What is your favourite short film or a film, a short film that has, very, has impacted you a lot after watching it? Can I say two? Uh, I guess we can allow it. <laughs> All right, we'll allow it just this once. Go for it. I, there's a short film that I saw that's called Red. Oh. And it's a, about a... Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a man who's cross-dressing as a woman. And it's set in Japan. And there's no dialogue. And it's not that long. It's about eight minutes and I love it because it's an exact a lot of my earlier films I'm trying to do so much I'm just trying to do so much this happens and this happens and this happens and then this and then this. um but the the film is literally starts off with him putting on uh a woman's clo- a woman's clothing looking at himself going out into the world and then seeing his dad who sees him and he freezes and then the dad slowly walks up to him and then just puts his hand on his shoulder and then he and then the guy who the the guy goes like that and then it's the end oh my god yeah and it's 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 like that those are the beats of the story um but just so 
beautifully told and just so simple. And I that definitely affected me and is something that I'm trying to strive for at the moment that I don't believe that you need to have a good story. Mm. I think you need to just have a very simple story told really well. Mm. Like, do you know that whole thing when people always talk about like, what's the back of the matchbox pitch for this film? Do you, have you heard that before? It was like, oh yeah, well, well it's essentially what's the log line, right? Well, like yeah. The... What's your like catchy like log line? Yeah, and then I always yeah. say to everyone, name your three favorite films, and then go through what their catchy log line is. Because nine times out of ten, I promise you, they don't have a catchy log line. Like, what's the catchy log line of The Godfather? It's like. Yeah, God. Uh, it's a this mafia is another family. good challenge episode, I think. <laughs> it's a mafia family, and the young one takes over the the Goes dad. to the dark isn't side. It's like succession, Starts really, isn't off, it? Yeah. It's about a succession. Yeah, look at yeah. us now. We're all fumbling over fucking yeah. Yeah. Godfather log. Like, I love the film Drive. What's the catchy oh. log line of Drive? Yeah. He's a driver. And he drives. He drives, and then there's he a, meets a woman. He meets a woman. Falls in love with her. Her husband comes out of prison. They just got to do, do a, get, a, they, yeah, they get do away. A bank robbery, and then it kind of <laughs> ends. Sold. Yeah. I want a ticket. I oh, did that. Shot, I did that with yeah, my students stabbed. actually. I was like, okay, write write a logline for your new ideas or your favorite yeah. film. It's really it's fucking hard. Mm. I just yeah that, but that's that that to me is again the very kind of Netflixy world of like we could have a. It's all about the story, catchy story with the. It's just like. No, no, like the best stuff. What's the hook? The best stuff is just very, very simple. In my opinion, this is my opinion, is is very, very simple, just told beautifully. Mm. Uh, And so in my own work now, I'm constantly like trying to simplify and simplify and simplify and simplify. Because nine times out of 10, it's always too complicated and I'm always overdoing it. So Red, um, I don't know the name of who it's by. And I saw a short called... What do you know about the water and the moon? And it's about a woman who gives birth to a jellyfish. Wow. All right. That's okay. I'd like to to end on that. That's a pretty good ending. The woman who gives birth to a jellyfish. We'll we'll link it in the description, folks. Okay. Well, thank you so much, AJ. Yeah, it's been amazing, dude. Yeah. I, yeah, I appreciate it. I think uh, these are like discussions that are really, uh, really important. And it also helps me solidify my, because like, I've, I don't know if you guys feel this, but like, especially in the directing world, there isn't really much of a community. It's much mm, more yeah. of a kind of just like every, every person for themselves. Mm, yeah. Uh, and uh, unless you're getting into the festivals where you're meeting other people, especially in London as well, there's like no community. Um, so having this kind of discussion, I think is good because otherwise I'm just having it with myself. Yeah, and I'm probably making a bunch of uh, errors. So well, totally. It's been so, yeah, it's been so nice for us to yeah for exactly that reason, like talking to people and learning and yeah yeah, and you know makes us feel like we're not alone. I guess yeah yeah. It shows everyone's everyone's struggling with the same stuff, yeah. you know, and trying to make great amazing films. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Rock and roll. So much. Boo, boo, boo. Roll the outro. <laughs> <laughs>